We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. This is the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm obviously not Robbie Hummel. My name is Rob Dosser. I have Jeff Goodman here with me. Uh, you are listening to my voice now because between the time that uh, the, today's episode of the Goodman and Humble podcast was published and the time that it was recorded, news broke that Texas had made the decision to relieve Chris Beard of his duties. Uh, he was fired as a result of being charged and with a, with a third-degree felony, um, domestic assault, about a month ago. The statement that was put up by Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte reads, the University of Texas has parted ways with Chris Beard. This has been a difficult situation that we've been diligently working through. Today, I informed Mr. Beard of our decision to terminate him effective immediately. Uh, Beard had a seven-year contract that was $35 million guaranteed. I believe that this was uh, they had the ability to fire him with cause here, um, which would make it so that I don't know if there's any buyout money. You might have more information on that than I do. Uh, yeah, no, they fired him for cause. They fired yeah. him for cause, and and you know their their intention was that they're not going to have to pay him a dime. Uh, yeah, because let me let me just reset what happened for people that have forgotten. Uh, on December twelfth, it was a Monday morning. Beard was arrested for an incident um, with his fiance, where he was alleged to have choked her, thrown her off the bed, bit her, and left bruises all over her legs while throwing her around, and as she put it, "quote going nuts." Um, 11 days later, his fiance recanted her original statement. She said that she was the initiator of the struggle. Uh, that is her word. Struggle is the word that she used in the statement she put out um, and that she did not want him to be arrested or charged in that moment. Uh, but police found visible wounds on her. Um, and she told the police that night when she was arrested that she could not quote, I could not breathe. He probably did it for like five seconds. Um, at the end of the day, Jeff, I, I think that Texas, this was a decision that was always going to get made. I've seen some criticism for the time that it took to make this decision and to arrive at this moment. Um, I personally do not have a huge issue with the amount of time. He was, it's not like he was coaching. It's not like he was getting a salary. He was not getting his paychecks. When you're dealing with the situation where you have $35 million contract signed by both parties, uh, there's legal stuff you have to go through. You want to make sure you have your uh, the I's dotted and the T's crossed and, and make sure that everything is done the right way. There is no issue in my mind with taking the time to make sure that it is done the proper way with all the authorities. And, and through the, the only thing I'd say to that is I agree with you. They could have done it two weeks ago, three weeks ago. My only question is why today as opposed to two weeks ago, they didn't do an mm -hmm. internal investigation. 
Texas never spoke to Chris Beard or his fiance Randy True. They, so they, they haven't really done – there's no more information that they've gotten now that they didn't get two weeks ago. So to me, either you do it two, three weeks ago or you wait and see if the charges are dropped. But I, I think ultimately they didn't even want to see if the charges were dropped because if they were, then it would make it even more difficult. The PR hit wouldn't be as, as – it'd be, it'd be different, right? If, if the charges get dropped and then you fire him, you're going to get a segment of the people that are going to say – well, how can you fire him after the charges were, were, were dropped and the DA didn't pursue uh, the, the, the case? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the only thing that, that is kind of baffling to me is the timing on this. Why today? Why not three weeks ago? You know, listen, he put his hands in a woman, period. You can't do that. It, it, you know, she said it was self-defense. She walked back a lot of her statement. Um, I know her. I've met her several times. Um the bottom line in this whole thing is you cannot fit. You have to get the hell out of the house. You have to get out, get out of the house. If you're Chris Beard, you cannot remove, put your yeah. hand. Well, remove, remove yourself from the situation. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Go ahead. So now, you know, the, the, the question, I guess becomes moving forward. Let's start with Chris Beard and then we'll go to Texas. Cause those are the two things. Now that the decision has been made by Texas, does Chris Beard ever get another job in, in Division One coaching? I think it depends, obviously, on whether the DA pursues the case or drops it. Number one, if they drop it, does he have another opportunity? Yeah, I think he might. I think he might, depending on, again, what job it is. Uh, you know, we, we've seen several coaches maybe not getting hired for after incidents like this necessarily, but other things that we never thought they'd be hired uh, again. And I, I think – if you're a school and you're an AD and you're president, you're, you're going to want to talk to not only Chris Beard, you're going to want to talk to Randy True as well and hear her side of the story, even though you've seen uh, her statement. And even if the DA does not uh, move forward with the, with the charges. Yeah. I, I don't think if he does get another job, it's not going to be for a while and it's not going to be at a, uh, a program that is anywhere near as visible as Texas. I, no, I think no, he's done at that level for yeah. listen. If he's if he's getting a job, he's getting a job at the level of of you know a lower high major or a mid major or even a low major. It might be a low major in Texas. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I'm honestly, it, it's it, if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be like five years down the road, and it's going to be like some Division two program that that is like he's he's figured it out. He's uh, he's a better person now. Like whatever whatever excuse I don't want to. Act like I'm trying to listen. To the PR you know, when people know, uh, I, I've known Chris Beer for 20 years. Uh, you know, I don't know if I come close to him. You know, again, um, certainly I'm, I'm closer with him than a lot of coaches in this profession. Um, this, uh, this obviously you can't condone again. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like there, there are certain rules that you live your life by. One for me is you never hit a woman, period, ever, ever, ever. Now, I know, again, she said, he said he wasn't the aggressor. She said, basically, she didn't dispute the fact that. Yeah, I, I just, I'm going to, I understand what she's saying, right? But it's, be like, you. oh, she she retracted it. She was lying. No, look, when, you, when it comes to domestic violence situations, there is a power, power dynamic that, that is going to be at play and there is a fic that is going to be at play that incentivizes the victim in these cases to 
to recant in the moment. Sure. Save yourself in like get the police there, right? So like cool everything down. And then when everything is cooler and that person comes back and apologizes, then it's the kind of thing where you can say, okay, it didn't happen because maybe of the control in the relationship, because you're and afraid. We don't that know. Like, listen, yeah, we don't, we don't know the situation. I, I'm situation, not trying to talk about the specifics here. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it, in general, just because she put out a state violence. Yeah. Yes. It does not mean that the DA has to drop the charges because the DA is incentivized to pursue them because of situations like this, where the man has a power dynamic and control in the relationship and the woman might be financially dependent on him and the paycheck that comes. So it's just, it's a very, very complicated situation, but I don't think that Texas necessarily had a complicated decision here. Yeah. Listen uh, again, I, I thought it was always going to be, uh, this was going to be the end result whenever it was going to happen. You know, just being, you know, number one, again, that you 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 had uh, physical um, physical proof that he did mm -hmm. something to to her. Number one. And number number two, um, you know, being that Texas, the type of school it is right, very liberal, um, I think certainly another school might have gone to bat and said, you know what, we'll wait it out. We'll wait it out and see if, if the charges get dropped. And if they do, you know what, we'll, we'll take the PR hit. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think Texas is, is the type of institution that was going to do that. Um, so I think they decided at this point, let's just cut our ties today. We have enough to be able to terminate him. And our lawyers are probably telling us we have enough and that, that's the only reason why I think it might have taken a little bit longer than people understand, myself included, is the early days, you want to make sure you have all the information so that if you do terminate him, you're going to have enough that you don't have to, to, to pay him. Um, and you want to make sure you're making the right decision. I just feel like the last week or two, it, it's, it's gone on and on and on. Um, and at this point, you could have waited at this point. You probably could have waited another month or so and seeing if, if, if again, if if the the case was dropped or not, the charges yeah. were dropped. All right, so I do want to talk about what this means for this particular Texas team and what it means for the Texas program moving forward. But I do want to say one thing real quick. You mentioned how uh, we have a relationship with Beard and how you specifically is, yeah. have known him for a long time. I had a, like, when I tweeted about this, a couple people jumped in my mentions and they were like, oh, is Goodman going to be crying? Is Goodman going to be doing this? Is Goodman going to be doing that? I know he's so close with Beard. And, and like, I just want to say, I don't, I'm not going to defend you a lot, but I'm going to stick up for you on this one because there's nothing, there's nothing funny about this situation. No. There's nothing that's worth laughing about with this. This is not a joking matter. To say nothing of the actual crime that was alleged to have committed. If it did happen, it's, it's horrific. It's awful. Right. But this decision means that a whole bunch of people that put their faith in Chris Beard to go to Texas, to buy into his vision, to say, I'm going to be here long term, to step away from some people, head coaching positions, to go there to be on his staff, to relocate their families. A lot of people made a decision to buy into what Chris Beard was selling and to buy into his vision. And now they're in a position where they might have three months left and they're going to have to find a new job. Yeah, the, the, the one thing I'll say too is like, it's not. I just, it's not like this is not something. No, it's not a funny joke right? about. Like, there's nothing funny about this. And again, listen, I, I think I've had kids. He's got there's kids. There's children involved. Just like if you're making jokes about this, I, I just I think it says a lot about who you. And are. And I think you you know me well enough to know at the end of the day, um, 
yes, you have relationships with, with these coaches. At the end of the day, I, I think I'm probably as objective as any uh, college basketball writer out there holding people accountable that needed to be held. And you know a lot of the backgrounds of the people that I hold accountable and why I do, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're going to hold Chris Beard accountable for what he did. And again, I'll say it over and over and over. Should not ever hit a woman, period. Uh, but I do think from my time of being around Chris Beard, I will say uh, he is a very uh, giving person to a lot of people, uh, whether it's staff members, whether it's players. Uh, I think, again, you can make a mistake. And I think he made a serious, serious mistake that's probably going to cost him his career at the end of the day. Um, a lot of people make mistakes in life. Hopefully he will learn from this. Um, maybe he'll get another chance. I don't know. It could be a junior college. It could be D2. It could be low D. Whatever it is. The one thing I'll say about Chris Beard, um, I don't think uh, he's an arrogant uh, person, and you've been around him as well, that there are other people that, that treat people like shit. I don't think that's Chris Beard. Uh, I think he made a, a serious mistake here. Uh, and ultimately, again, it's something that you can't do, you shouldn't do, and hopefully he'll never do again. Yeah, there's you're never as bad as the worst thing that you do in life. Um, but when you do something like what Chris Beard did, then you don't get the privilege of being able to coach at an institution like Texas with a $5 million salary. When you're not 18 years old anymore. You're not a kid. Yep, you're a grown man, and you have to understand the implications. Yep. Be before there's con you there's consequences it. to it. There's consequences to it, and I think he's uh, – He's getting what the consequences are. Um, all right. So uh, let's start with this. What's it mean for this Texas program? Because they came in with a lot of expectations. They're a top 10 team. Rodney Terry has head coaching experience. He's taking over. Um, I know that they just kind of got whooped up on by Kansas State, but they were undefeated under Rodney Terry before that. So uh, is this still a team that can compete for a Big 12 title? What do you think? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think they're there. I think they were fragile to begin with. And now with everything that's happened, I just think this group is going to have a really hard time staying together. I think now the problem is with beer being fired today, you're going to have every uh, coach in America trying to um, whatever players are left that have eligibility. There aren't a ton. A lot of these guys are done and have been around a while, whether it's Marcus Carr uh, or Timmy Allen. A lot of these guys are, are done, but you know, Tyrese Hunter, you don't think uh, he and his uh his group are going to get calls today uh, as early as today. So I think, again, that's another added distraction for these kids. It was going to be a distraction anyway, and it would have gotten worse if they still had this hanging over their head come NCAA tournament time, because everybody would have asked them about them. Uh, so I don't know if it changes all that much, but I don't think this team uh, can get to a final four. Uh, I think they, they should be able to get in the NCAA tournament. No problem. But they could get eaten up, too. Who knows with all that's going on right now. Uh, Rodney Terry's been a head coach at UTEP at Fresno, so that's the benefit. Um, Chris Ogden has been a head coach. Now he'll maybe he'll go back on the on the bench. I don't know. Uh, Bob Donawal can, can coach. We know that. Um, you know, I just – yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of faith that this team's going to be able to make a deep run now with everything that's going on. Yeah, we were kind of buying into them by saying, I think Chris Beard's going to find a way to make it all work and without right. that coach there. I, I, Rodney, I want, Rodney I, Terry's I not Chris Beard as a coach. Yeah, I will be 
I will be rooting for them. I want this to work out. I, I want. I just. I feel bad for those kids. Like again, of course. those kids made a decision to go to this program to follow Chris Beard because they bought into his vision, and he kind of he kind of fucked them over. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that's just that is what it is, and yeah. and um, I. I think I feel comfortable enough saying this, that it just, it's, I don't think that it's, it's frustrating to see it come down, like him make that decision that let so many people down, so many people down. And I think a lot of people have a, have a right to be very, very upset um, with him in this moment. A lot of people that are associated with that program and with that team, uh, long-term big picture, Texas is a top, five top 10 job in America, depending on who you ask. Austin is an unbelievable city. You get an unbelievable salary. They have a ridiculous amount of resources and they're willing to throw money at the basketball program to make it good. So if you are Chris Del Conte right now, you got three months to figure out who you want to target. Um, Who's your list? Who are you starting with? Is it John Calipari? Can no, Texas go and hire John Calipari? No, no, come on. <laughs> If you're like, Cal and things go bad at Kentucky, would you look for the soft landing at Texas? No, no. John <laughs> Come on, man. Let, let's get this carousel going. I need, I need you on this bandwagon. I need you on the Cal to Texas. That's an bandwagon. atrocious hire. <laughs> atrocious hire. Um, it, it's funny. I mean, I, I started trying to jot down some names here, and I don't know if any of them are like perfect because Texas is just a, it's a different job, right? Like, it's not a job. To me, like they got money, but it's it's a football job still, even with a new arena, which is gorgeous. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, it's never going to be a basketball job per se. Uh, the crowd was pretty good when I was there for the Gonzaga game. It was very good, but I don't know if they're going to be able to you know sustain that. Um, you know, the first names that come to mind for me is like Jerome Tang. That's like the first name, only because again, like. Jerome Tang has done such a good job at Kansas State. It's been only half a year, uh, but he knows the landscape of the league, of the state, of the area so well from being with Scott Drew, building that thing at Baylor for for 20 or so years. So I would have Jerome Tang and the energy. You need that. You have to have somebody, to me, that's going to go out in the community. In a lot of ways, Chris Beard was the perfect hire. Obviously, it didn't work out, but – from a, from a standpoint of connecting with students, being a salesman, also being a hell of a coach, I think you got to have all that for, for Texas basketball. So, you know, Tang has that. Like Kelvin Sampson is a great coach, but he, he doesn't have that. He's not going to go out and connect at, at his this stage of his career. And he never really was a big, you know, that wasn't what he was going to do. So I think, you know, Tang would be a guy that I would say would, would be in the mix. Um, you know what Tang reminds me a lot of? He reminds me a lot of the the other name that I think I would have second on that list right now. And that's Brad Underwood at Illinois. Brad Underwood was that Stephen F. Austin. He had he got the Oklahoma State job, had a great deal of success in his first year, and was able to parlay that into getting the Illinois job. Right? I think I think Brad Underwood would be really good at Texas. Now, um, I don't know if he is the kind of personality that will be out there marketing himself and marketing his program the way that he would do it to some degree. He mm-hmm. wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be beard or, or tang, but he could do it. Daddy Brad looks really good in, uh, in, in, um, burnt orange t-shirts too. So <laughs> what about Musselman? Um, he would, well, one, he would crush it there. Right. Um, but I think, 
I think that – I think Arkansas and Texas are kind of level when it comes to what the job is. And you, why you, would – A lot of people would say Arkansas is a better job. Well, I, I think – I don't – I it's don't necessarily know if it was if it's a better job because I think there's more expectation, which means there's more pressure, which means it's easier to get fired. Um, but I don't think Musselman is the kind of coach that's going to get to that point. Uh, it's just I think you want a guy if you're Texas that can build something long term. And Musselman strikes me more as a guy that you're hiring for like a three four year window, right? And I'm a little bit worried about that. It's also if you're Mus. Why would you leave a program that you have established with a fan base to go to what is going to probably be a real rebuilding job at a place that is not a basketball school? To me, must must needs to be at a school that like where he can be the center of attention. He needs that. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm with you. I'll, I'll read off some other names. I don't know if I love them, you know, um, there as much. Uh, I would say, you know, can you Bruce Pearl? be tough. I think with everything Bruce has gone through NCAA wise, probably be tough to hire somebody like that right now. Nate Oates, um, uh, Chris Holtman. Yeah, you, you mentioned Bruce. I didn't even, that name didn't even click to me, but Bruce Pearl would turn Texas into an absolute right. monster. monster. But like, I, I, I take back everything I said, Bruce Pearl would be the first guy that I would go after yeah. if I was Texas. Yeah. NCAA. It's just, again, it's, it's with everything. With everything that they just went through, are they going to look squeaky clean? And 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 that to me, if you're going to look squeaky clean, like a guy like Chris Holtman stands out. Yeah, right. Um, I just want to. So I, 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 I really like the idea of Holtman too. I think he's a really good fit. Um, because also it's another situation where he's not the the centerpiece, and I think that Holt works better when he's at a program where basketball, football is first and foremost. But just to circle back on Bruce Pearl, he turned Auburn into one of the best home courts in the SEC. Imagine what he could do at a school like Texas that has a bigger fan base. A bigger, like he basically is Chris, like it's him and Chris Beard are the same kind of uh, promoter, same kind of people about how, um, like, understand like the 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 what it takes to be able to to kind of build. This is even crazier. Yeah, I love I love the Tang call um, as well. You know, I just he's he's so good. Are you gonna add Ed Cooley to the mix? Well, I was gonna say, like, before we get out of here, we have to you have to understand if you are going to hire one person at Texas, you have to hire the best coach in college basketball, Ed Cooley. I don't know if he fits in Austin, but maybe you know, like listen, not fit. You, you he heard work what said last night on field of 68 after dark. You heard what he said. He said hey. Ed Cooley is the kind of guy that can go and rub elbows with the donors and also rub, rub elbows with the guys that are filling up the sodas, right? Like he's he fits everywhere. When I, when I was when the beard news came out, I was walking uh, down in, in Charleston here and literally got uh, stopped by a Providence fan who moved down here and uh, was talking to him a while and 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 his. Uh, adoration. He, right away, he, he didn't even say. It. He just goes, "You hate Providence." <laughs> I'm like, "No, I don't hate Providence." Just, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I have fun, I have fun with the fan bases, but yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't want to make this too much light-hearted uh, because that that's not what this was about. Again, um, you know, the the circumstances of this one were tough all around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a woman, you know, there was certainly a relationship fractured here. 
um, an incident that never should have happened, a coach losing his job, as you said, a bunch of players right now and a team and a program in disarray. A lot of guys are going to be looking for jobs at the end of the year. That That's the one thing I'm glad you brought up because we, we often forget about that, of all these assistant coaches that go with these guys and um, have to move their families. And now they're worried, can they win enough so that Rodney Terry can keep his job so they can keep their jobs? Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be the ideal here if, if Rodney and this team could kind of rally around each other. And, uh, and again, I hope Chris Beard – uh, get some help, and uh, and honestly, I hope he gets back on his feet because um, he is one hell of a coach. And everything I've ever been around Chris Beard, I can vouch for his character. Uh, I've never seen him treat anybody poorly. Um, I, I think again, uh, it's sad. It's sad what happened. Yep, it is. That's a good way to kind of put a, a capper on it. Um, I will be rooting for that team. I will be rooting for for RT. I will be rooting for those players. Um, you know, hook them, I guess. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. another episode of the Goodman and Hummel podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He's Robbie Hummel. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm leading the, the good life here, Rob. I'm leading it 67 degrees today. Uh, I'm going to take a walk later. Uh, you know, I my wife and I took a walk the other day to the really nice part of Charleston. And it was like mm-hmm. a six mile walk to look at. You the- walked six miles? Yeah, right. I did. We did six miles. And, I believe your uh, wife did. No chance you did. <laughs> We you, you, see- you biked alongside her while she walked. <laughs> she dragged me. She dragged <laughs> me throughout the, the city. Um, we wanted to see the houses that we couldn't afford here. Yeah, you know, the, those are the, cool. The ones that, that are on the water, you know, like, it's just, it's an awesome city. It's fun. It's fun to look at houses and boats that you can't afford, right? Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're like, in like well, a marina. You're like, if this happens and if this happens in if, if the Dostler Mega Millions falls my up, way. Yeah. If Dodger doesn't <laughs> screw up Field of 68. Yeah. Maybe I can, you know, we can afford this down the road, but uh, it's a pipe dream. It's a pipe yeah. dream. I'm, I'm busy you. doing this pod with you instead. You know, I never want to hear you talk shit to me about playing golf ever again, because there's just a month in the season where you're like, you know what? I'm going to go live in Charleston and I'm going to go just watch games from this Charleston house that I'm going well, the rest Saturday. of us work hard. 
What game are you going to be at Saturday? Where will you be? Illinois, Wisconsin, which all right. So you actually have a good game. Yeah, I mean it is a good game. Interesting game. I will be. I'll be down. I will be able to walk to see a ranked team. I will walk. I don't know five blocks, maybe more than that. Maybe it's like I don't know a half a mile to watch the Charleston. Pat Kelsey led team that is now ranked for the first time in 25 or so years. Yeah. Who are they playing? They are playing Delaware. Uh, Jeff Borzello's Delaware uh, blue hands. Okay. So it's sold out. I'm going to be sitting next to the, uh, the, my wife and I are going to go. We're sitting next to the athletic director, uh, Matt Roberts and uh, humble brag. We're going to, we're going to watch, <laughs> we're going to watch the, the, the Cougars and uh, a deep team that likes to run. That two of their three, two of their best players, transferred in from West Liberty, a non-D1. So wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing a little more research before Saturday, and I'm gonna come back next week. I'm gonna have That's a full breakdown of Charleston. All right, I look forward to that. But for now, I want a full breakdown from you, and I think everybody needs a full breakdown. Uh, I got text from my buddies. Uh, that went to uh, that are Illinois grads last night, and they're like, "What the hell has gone wrong?" Because I was out in Vegas, yeah, early in the season. And I was like, "This team's fun to watch." Brad Underwood was excited. They they split their games out there, but they felt pretty good about how they played. Terrence Shannon, remember, went for that that one game where he, he couldn't miss from three, and we were looking at this team as a potential Final Four team. Now. Rob, and you were at this game last night. Now we're looking at this Illini team sorry, uh, as uh, a complete disaster. And whether they can even make the NCAA tournament is a valid question today, isn't it? You know what? We said it last night at the end of the broadcast. Can we really be talking about Illinois on the bubble with wins over Texas and UCLA? Um, But they're, they're... for in conference you know they're they're now zero and three they've got wisconsin who's three and oh coming into to champagne saturday this is a a fascinating case study in totally retooling your team in the portal and nil era right like they you could say that they have gone that route heavily they have really talented freshmen um it was the second most i guess touted recruiting class in the big 10 coming in this year but they went the route of the portal. Now, Dane Danger, who who did get to practice last year some, um, but he's a transfer from Baylor. Matt Meyer, transfer from Baylor. Terrence Shannon, transfer from Texas Tech. I don't even recognize this team at this point. Now, we, we went to shoot around, and Brad was on these dudes. I, I mean, on these dudes. Yeah. And he I'm was, sure. I mean, he was yelling, and he was trying to motivate, and he was yelling about leadership and and they they clearly do not have a leader like they clearly do not have a leader of it this team surprise me rob no that no part doesn't surprise me. how how could it because none of these dudes were really on the team last year and outside of Cole, outside of coleman hawkins the previous spots the trans- what's that they weren't leaders at their previous spots. yeah right right it's hard to all of a sudden become a new a leader at a new spot just because you're older doesn't mean all of a sudden you can become a good leader yeah, agreed. And Coleman Hawkins is not that. And RJ Melendez is not that. Um, I, I think it's fascinating. You know, there was a lot made. There was articles written. And even at Shootaround, we watched that Illinois was going to change their style. No more switching five ways. 
you know, they weren't switching off the ball. They're going to chase screens. They're going to, you know, stay with people off the basketball. Um, and then offensively, they're going to run the spread. But I don't, I got the, the, the vibe that they hadn't really run it much in the summer. And it's hard for me to believe that at the college level or even at the high school level that you could just say over Christmas break, all right, we're going to put the spread in. Not that it's the most, I mean, it's a pattern. It's not the most complicated thing in the world by any means, you know, that ball swings. All right. Cut her through, cut her through, reverse it. They're trying to get that. But if you haven't done it and the only people that have, the only person on that team that's ever run it is Coleman Hawkins. So I was watching the, uh, Bethune Cookman game to get ready for this Northwestern game last night. And you could see that Coleman Hawkins was catching the ball at times and pointing guys where to go, which, you know, I've seen that before. There's one example that sticks out in my mind. And if it's one player, fine. Like you can kind of hold his hand, lead him around, whatever, but not the whole team. But if it's like a bunch of dudes that don't know how to run it and aren't comfortable because they, not because they can't understand it, but because they haven't had the time to do it. Yeah. You know, a total overhaul like that, especially offensively, is concerning. And it tells me that, and look, it's not rocket science to say they stink in the half court. They have stunk in the half court all year. If they don't get out in transition, they can't score. But they turn the basketball over like crazy. They foul a lot. You know, the free throw disparity last night was, was large. And Illinois fans, <laughs> judging from my Twitter mentions uh, that people were tweeting at me, were not happy about it. And there was a couple calls where it's like, all right, you know, that boo-boo he so tripped tired. over his own feet. But I'm so tired of the refs being everything that that if if team loses and that's they don't all get, it is. Refs screwed us. Announcers didn't talk about it enough. Like these like these enough. fans are insane. Balances out. Unless, unless it does. Yes. Does Bill Self get more calls than everybody else? Probably. Did Kay? Yeah. Did Roy? Those, but they earned it. They earned. But think about think about this: the fact that Illinois, some, and it's not all of Illinois fans. It's it's a vocal minority for sure. But the fact that I had anyone saying, "Man, we got shafted at Northwestern," like think about that. How many times has Northwestern come up on, on the raw end of of an officiating deal? Um, I I think the rest is a bad example. Were there a couple calls that put Northwestern at the line that were like, "All right, maybe not." Yeah, there were, but that's not why they lost that game. Nor- Northwestern was better. Chase Audige, I, I give him a lot of credit. I, I've been highly critical of Audige because he didn't make shots for the last two. Not even not not even that. It was his shot selection. Yeah. I thought the last two years was really poor, but he was under control last night. He's an all league type defender. He's a great defensive player. He just is active. He gets steals. He gets his hand on the ball. Um, but he outplayed Terrence Shannon. You know, it's as simple as that. And. For a while in that game, it was like, is anybody going to help Adige? You know, Boo Booey struggled. Um, but Illinois, I don't know. Like Coleman Hawkins shoots when he should pass and passes when he should shoot. He he looks so confused as to what he should do. He's talented, but it's just never equaled production. Um, Dane Danger gets into Brad Underwood's doghouse like at, at the highest level. Um and then they just they just kind of I don't know they're just out there. I mean they 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 kind of stunk last night and they've kind of stunk for a long time now. My big question to Brad in the preseason when I saw them practice was and you know where I stand on point guard. Uh, let me guess who's the point guard? Well, it was, but it was <laughs> no, like, it's foul. But, but it's so and foul. he tried to convince me, and I think he was trying to convince himself 
Yeah. That they didn't need a point guard that they were going to run stuff through Shannon or whoever. And that's fine. Like Shannon can, can initiate offense, but that's not where he's best. Right. That's right. not where he's best to me. You want Terrence Shannon to be a scoring wing that somebody makes his life easier for him. Instead, he's got to do everything for this team. Right. And that's not fair for him. You, you know what's interesting? Just in going on Synergy and looking at Synergy gives really cool breakdowns of individual play types. Yeah. And what surprises me is that coming into last night, Terrence Shannon was shooting 56% from the field in pick and roll as the handler, which I, I didn't think he would do that great. And not that he couldn't do it, but I mean, 56% in that situation is, is really good. And he's shooting only 50% in transition where I would think he'd be like 65, 68, 70 because of the level of athlete he is. The Illinois shot selection last night was abysmal. I mean, Brad Underwood was going to lose his mind on the sideline. Shannon took a couple of bad ones. He, Matt he Meyer took some shot. bad ones. Well, he did. He did. Matt, Matt Meyer took some shots that just make you shake your head. Like, you know, if you've made four in a row, fine. Um, Coleman Hawkins takes threes that make no sense. Coleman Hawkins has Matthew Nicholson guarding him. Seven foot, 265 pounds. Yeah. NBA three. Eight on the shot clock. You're like, dude. You can get, get by this guy whenever you want and get it either get to the basket or get a shot for somebody else. A wide open one for one of your teammates. They, How do they, they just look. It? How do they fix? Is it chemistry as much as anything? Or is it just yes. personality? Chemistry, chemistry, leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it, it, we we were talking, Brandon God and I at halftime, just watching mm -hmm. Illinois come out and warm up. And not that they played well in the first half. The game wasn't over by any means. I think they were down by like four. Right everyone's body language was just like, yeah, it sucked. you know, just everyone looked like it was the most miserable experience of their life to be out there playing in a sold out crowd. That's more pro Illinois than Northwestern. And it just was like, you know, like just looked like it was a, a, a terrible thing for him. I, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. I mean, you've got Wisconsin coming in massive game yep. on Saturday. Wisconsin's undefeated in big 10 play. Um, you know, Tyler Wall, who knows if he'll play, he sprained his ankle in their, their win against Minnesota. But if Illinois loses and goes to 0-4, oh, my God. And I don't think it gets easier. I mean, you go to Nebraska, who just rolled Iowa at home. Um, I know they didn't play great at Michigan State. Then they have the Spartans at home. And then they finally have a game where you're like, all right, Minnesota on the road. But the Gophers just played Wisconsin tough in Madison. Yeah, I Boy. So we're recording this uh, Thursday at about 10 in the morning. Um, the big game tonight is Purdue at Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, Purdue coming off their first loss of the season. Are you still bought in that Purdue is clearly the, the, the cream of the crop in the Big Ten? Or now are you starting to kind of question, <laughs> hey, are, are they really the best? Is there a best team, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country? Because we've now seen – the two top teams a week ago when we talked were Purdue and UConn. UConn's lost two in a row. Purdue yep. could lose. Shoot, they could lose three in a row by the time we do our next pod because they're on the yep. road for the next two. No, I mean, that, that's and that Penn State game is going to be no joke at the Palestra because right. they're going to pack that place. It's, it's going to be quite the environment. Um, I I think with Purdue, you know, Zach Eady is still a dominant force. That that has not changed. 
um, their shooting has been absolutely abysmal the last five games. They are shooting from the three-point line at a 23% clip in that stretch. And it's on like 200 attempts, right? <laughs> it's not like the sample size is small. Um, that's That's not good. And they've gotten good shots, which is encouraging, I think, because you're like, you're going to keep getting these. And on paper, Purdue is a good shooting team. You know, you look at like Brandon Newman, good shooter. Um, Fletcher Lawyer, considered one of the best shooters in his recruiting class. Um, you know, Caleb First, Mason Gillis, yep. David Braden Jenkins, Smith career 40%. Yeah, Braden Smith. Yeah, Braden Smith's actually shooting 40% from yep. three. Um, but they're not making them in the games. And I, I just think that Rutgers had a really good game plan of when Ethan Mort was in the game, they're going to trap off him and then they were going to be slow to rotate back to him and make him prove that he's a shooter. And I mean, Rutgers is, is good. They're really good. Um, defensively, they are so tough and so physical. Pykel's a heck of a coach. He he, yeah, he, he really is. And the job the job that he's done, think about where Rutgers was six years ago. I mean, you you talk about beating the number one team in the country at home and away in back-to-back years. Amazing. With Eddie Jordan, <laughs> the way that that was going, no chance. Um, so he deserves a lot of credit. As for who's the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, I, I think Purdue still has to be up there in that conversation. Now, who's with them? Wisconsin has to be there um, with their undefeated record. And I think that, you know, Ohio State has made some say, real noise. Okay. If, if, and Rutgers as well. So who's two? Who, it, you're putting your it, house on the line. For, let's say we're in agreement that Purdue is the best team and they're going to win the Big Ten. Let's just, let's say, and I'm not even sure. I, I still, I still, I still would say if that was, if I had to pick, yeah. I would go Purdue. But that doesn't mean I'm, you know, I'm not guaranteed. You don't feel great about it anymore. I, no, I'm not as good as I did right. a couple days ago. Right. You know, I'm, And I think this, I think the Big Ten is kind of indicative of college basketball this year. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, you know, Purdue came out of nowhere. I mean, I shoot, I think I had him ranked in my preseason power rankings. I think I might have had Purdue like ninth or something insane. Yeah, something stupid. Something <laughs> stupid. Something absolutely stupid because again, I, I always made that that deal like the Bo Ryan deal now with Matt Painter is like no matter what, they could have, you know, uh you Are you me. giving Greg Guard that too? I, I think Guard's getting there. I think guards getting to that point. He just hasn't done it as long as Painter. Dude, has. they win every close game. Any close game, Wisconsin just pulls it out. Every is other it, team in America is, is so uncomfortable into the Rob? game. Is it how they yeah. play? They're they're like a tennis player who's just a bank board. Right. You know, you're hitting shots and they're just return, 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 and you get frustrated. And it's, I mean, even when I played, it was even worse because the shot clock was 35. So if you went down and jacked a quick shot. Then they'd come down and run 34 seconds of offense on the crazy chance they get an offensive rebound, even though they didn't go to the glass. Then you're on, I mean, you're talking about guarding for 73 seconds in two possessions. Yeah. And then if you took a couple of quick ones, they just, it's like getting put in the torture chamber. Their style of play, they're solid, they're fundamental. Um, They're really shooting it from three this year. They they are really, which is a total opposite of last season with Johnny Davis kind of leading the team and, Interesting that you lose Brad Davison, who's probably considered one of the, by statistically soul. at least, yeah. well, not just heart and soul, but yeah. statistically a guy that made probably as many threes as almost anybody in a Badger uniform. Yeah. Granted, he played for six seasons. 
Um, but you lose that. And this year they're just, they've shot it so well. Um, but yeah, so you I would go, you would go Wisconsin too, gun to your head at the end of the year or Ohio. Cause that's how I am. Too, I don't know. I, I really like Ohio state's team. Me too. I, I think Me they're, too. first of all, Bryce Sensabaugh is awesome. Stuff. Stuff. He dude, his pull up contests don't bother him. Like he, he so can be, he gets to his spot. First of all, he's a tank. I mean, he has he has an interesting body. I don't know who I'd compare him to. He's like a tight uh, end body. He is. he is like a tight end. And uh, but I like Bruce Thornton. Um, I, I just I like Ohio State's team defensively. I feel like they've gotten better. They're still not amazing, but they are. I feel like improving. Rutgers. I mean, we have to talk about them. They should be three and zero. You know, if the officials don't mess up the end of the game, and and that was a really weird play. Um, but I, I think Rutgers has to be thrown in there and I'll, I'll even put Michigan state into the mix. Cause I think they're getting healthy and I think they're playing better. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready. But but again, the gap isn't significant anymore where you're like, okay, Michigan State, they don't have a star. <laughs> That's true. But like how many stars are there in, in, the, in the league right now? And you're looking at dysfunction right now at – at Illinois for sure. How about I Indiana? I, I looked up this morning before we got on here and I was like, how did I miss who Indiana played? And then I realized they haven't played since the since the 23rd. Yeah, it, it's honestly, I, I think that's poor scheduling. I think yeah. that's poor scheduling to have that much time off before you go into a game now at Iowa. Now we'll see uh, tonight what happens. But I, I think that one is is very dangerous against an Iowa team that, that's struggling and will not have Patrick McCaffrey, uh, who's taken a, a, a mental health break. And he put out a statement. And I give the kid a lot of – I'm a huge I do McCaffrey guy. Like, I won't Agreed. I talked to him back when, uh, when he was a kid. I remember doing an interview with him at Madison Square Garden um, when he had just uh, been fighting cancer. Yep. And super quiet kid. And I've just – I've watched him kind of grow – as a person, and this really hurts me when I read it and I was texting with him a little bit. And, um, but I'm proud of him for, for having the fortitude to be able to step away, right? Agreed. To be able to say, you know what? Basketball is not the most important thing right now. Uh, my, my health is. Uh, so hopefully, again, he takes as much time as he needs. He gets back. He's happy. Like, that's the hardest part these days is you're watching these kids in the the pressure they have. And I know people. It's don't totally different. Them. It's yeah. totally changed though. When I played bad, Twitter was probably just starting. Yeah. Instagram really wasn't a thing in, in college. I had it in the NBA where it was different, but if I played like, like shit, I heard about it from coach painter. I thought about it myself. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I, no one was direct messaging me stuff, you know, like, and, and look at what trace Jackson Davis got. Now we got some interesting mail as well. Um, did you, you got mail? 
Yeah, there'd be mail sent to Mackey Arena. Um, I got a letter from a guy that was like, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It was front and back. It was like a psychopath type thing with these weird pictures sent in there. And like it was it was were bizarre. They, were they were um, they did were they big fans or were they killing you? No, like it was like a a serial killer type thing. <laughs> like it was honestly we should have probably i still have my mom actually found it um in my bedroom because i kept it because it was so fascinating um but it was i mean that was that was bizarre that that was a different type of letter trace jackson davis got this letter that's just blasting the team today rob with all your injuries now again most people felt bad for you most people that's true but there were some you know there would have been some fans that would have been like you know like killing you for not staying yeah. healthy. There yeah, totally, totally. And you and had that, people making fun of you at arenas. Yeah, no, no. And that's and you know what? That's that's kind of part of playing at some of these places, and they they give you a hard time. And I mean, that's that's also what makes them tough places to play. I I wouldn't, you know, I that didn't really affect me. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Um. But as as for like Patrick McCaffrey, I, I just feel like he's been through so much already. Yeah. So I I just. He's a really good kid. He's a good player. I know he loves to play. Um, and I'm sure that was not easy to do. So I, I just I just can't wait to see him back. I, I I really enjoy watching him. Um and you know what? If he doesn't come back this year, yeah, that's that's fine. Like that's I you know, that, he just that, needs to right. to feel better. Get healthy. But but Get the stuff healthy. with social media has totally changed. And think about this. Like I I got a message and I'm an announcer. I don't even play. After Purdue lost to Rutgers the other night, I got this direct message on Instagram from a Purdue student okay. <laughs> telling me to kill myself and then saying like all these derogatory terms. And again, I'm 33 years old. I, I can deal with this. That, yeah. But still, and, and then at the but end, he goes, bothered you, every, and then, and then, but then he goes at the end, every time you commentate, Purdue plays so bad and we lose. <laughs> but it's like, did I do I have any outcome? Think about the players. They actually do have an outcome on the game, you know? Like, so when you see someone tell an announcer to kill himself over a game, think about what the players are getting. And then on top of that, they're 18 to 22. You know, they're they it's different. Yeah, the, the letter to Trace, it wasn't like at the level you're talking about, but it was again, it was just uncalled for. It was yeah, it's just, for. It's just it get a life is what it is. These kids are trying as hard as they can. Get right. a life. And now the problem is people think because Trace is making some money that he's a professional. Right. And he's not a pro yet. Obviously, yes, there's some select players that are making, you know, significant money. money. Trace yeah. is one of them. But, you know, he's still a college kid. And he's a good kid. And, yeah, you don't think they're playing as hard as, as they should. That's fine. I, I mean, I still get pissed off at the fans when I'm sitting in the arenas and I'm at a game, especially if I'm at a game like as a fan, like with Talia or something like that in the stands amongst the fans. It's really hard for me not to go back at some of these fans when they yell yeah. some some of these, you know, derogatory no, it's just, things. It's, it's gotten so out of control. Sports make people do such Crazy. stupid things but it's also why we have a job right. you know like because people are passionate and they they consume content on it and they love to watch the games which is great it does get too far though where you're you know you're writing trace jackson davis a letter about how a bunch of walk-ons play harder than them and 
right. you know, your, your direct messaging guys after a game where they go two for 12. Do you think they wanted to go two for 12? You think they wanted to miss those shots? Like, come on. Especially when you see some of these people then like go and play and they're terrible. <laughs> like that's what's even crazier, you know, like it's just pathetic. Yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard to watch. And I think more so than ever, two things. One, obviously coming out of the pandemic, um, it's different for kids in college right now too. You have social media, yep. like you said, you're coming out of the pandemic where the social interaction wasn't quite the same uh, for, for the better part of two years. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, to me, again, you've got NIL, you, there's just so much that's changed. Uh, and I don't think it's for the better. I don't, yeah. I don't think it's for the better. I, I just social media to me um, is it, kind of a curse in a lot of ways because these people hide behind. Yeah. I mean, you, these people would never say this stuff to Trace Jackson Davis if they walk by him on the street. Right. He's 6'11". He kicked the shit out of you. That's like, much it. That's thing with any other player in this in the Big Ten. Like, you yeah. want to talk shit to them, they just, you know, like, bring it. But behind a Twitter account with the picture of, you know, just the logo, they didn't even put a face to it or a name. It's, it's really pathetic. All right. Let's move on uh, back to, to hoops a little bit. Again, uh, Patrick McCaffrey, uh, get well soon. Um, but let's switch gears to the Blue Bloods a little bit. Uh, Duke just got blasted last night uh, down the road in Raleigh. Uh, they were down like 20 to 2 right out of the gates. They were never in the game. And NC State was without two of its front court guys. Um, Kentucky barely beats LSU at home. The fan base goes crazy when I tweet out that they barely beat LSU at home. It's really. Did they honestly, watch the game? I expected <laughs> like more. that's what happened. I guess did they get did they get lost in LSU's record? Yes, I think. And and again, yeah. they they got on me because I said um I I said it wasn't that good a win and they tried comparing it because they had beaten uh, Arkansas um the previous week. And my deal was you well you beat Arkansas without Nick Smith and Trevon uh, Trevin Brazil who's out for the year. Nick Smith right. should be back at some point. And you also beat him in Baton Rouge. Yeah. I mean, LSU right. is still 71 on Ken Palm. Right. Right. They're and they're a 12 and two. They're going to be a fringe tournament team. If I'm Kentucky and I'm coming off what I'm coming off lately and I got LSU at home, I'm expecting to put them away and they yeah. let them hang around and it got to be a, a one possession game at the end. Well, it seemed I like they were going to, they were going to pull away. Right. Like, and then LSU at the end yep. just wouldn't go away. And then Carolina is the third team. And they pulled away from Wake at home last night, but it was a battle up until the final five, five or so minutes. Um, of these three teams, we'll, we'll play the game here. Um, who are you buying? Who are you buying? Who are you holding? And who are you selling come March? Like, look down the road and oh, tell God. me the team first out of those three, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, who, who are you buying? Man, well, <laughs> buying, I'll, I'll buy, <laughs> I'll buy fun. Kentucky, even though I think their offense is abysmal. I do think that they are the most, the, the deepest, most talented team and they have Oscar, right? Like they, they have Shibwe, who's one of the best players in the country. 
So I'll, I'll buy Kentucky. I'll buy Kentucky. Um, I'm going through the same thing through my head that you were just going through. The thing is, it's like, all right, I hate Kentucky's offense, but they do have a lot of good players um, where you're like, all right, you're looking at their roster and you, you can see where they have a lot of guys that can play. Duke, you're looking at their roster and you're like, well, their upside is high because, you know, Derek Whitehead comes back into the fold. They've got all these freshmen who haven't necessarily played great, but they could, you know, it could, it could click into play for them. Carolina, on the other hand, has the be- we've been there before aspect to it. Like they've proven that they can get to the highest level game in our sport. But I've watched them enough this year to be like, boy, <laughs> like they've got they've got some problems, you know. So I, it's I'm really hard. To- Kentucky too. I'm buying Kentucky. Yeah, I, I, I think I've that's bought them all call. year. And and again, they've got they've got all the pieces, right? Yeah. Like, if you said right now, like personnel-wise, who are you taking? Well, you have a big, you have a couple point guards, one who can shoot, one who can't. You have wings. Now, CJ Frederick's hurt now and hasn't played well this year, but you've got wings who can shoot it, proven wings. Who Jacob Jacob Toppin played pretty well in the LSU game, didn't he? He's been great, and he made yeah. a huge three. Now, again, it was one of those threes where, like, the corner he three, had to, he had yeah. to shoot it. There were, like, four seconds right. left in the shot clock. He doubled mm-hmm. – Double clutch. He didn't want to shoot it, but he made the biggest shot of the game. You know, Damian Collins, Toppin. Like, I don't think they they fit together perfectly, especially the way Cal plays them. And, and their mm-hmm. offense was abysmal down the stretch again. They didn't run things. They just didn't. They stand around. They don't know what to do. It, it's painful to watch. Uh, but again, yeah. if you look at their personnel and you look at their their upside, you say to yourself, like, how could they not be good? How could right. they, if they click? And, and and the one thing I'll say is, now in all these leagues, other than the Big 12, like the SEC isn't overpowering right now, right? Like Alabama is good. But what league good. is? Uh, the, the Big 12 is is Power. a gauntlet. That's a, that's a league right there this year. Um, I don't think any other conference in the country. Now, some of the depth will get you. I think in the in the Big Ten in the in the SEC, yeah. you know, I think there's some teams that are maybe going to finish towards the bottom that can get you on any given night. But the Big Twelve has got Nobody just can. a gauntlet of teams you've got to go through. All right, so you, we're both buying Kentucky. Who are you holding? I, I'll you, hold both Carolina and Duke. No, you can, only, you only, can only hold one. Oh, you sell one. You got to sell oh, one. God. you have to sell one. Why do we do these stupid exercises with these dumb rules, huh? <laughs> um, I, I love to watch you squirm. It does. It does just make me so uncomfortable. All right, I'll uh, I'll buy Carolina for their experience, and I'll sell Duke for You're their holding. use. You're holding. You're holding. Sorry, that's what I meant. I'm holding Carolina, and I'm selling Duke. Me too. Me too. Sorry, John. Sorry, yeah. John Shire. No, I'm the same way. But I look at Duke, and I'm like, the upside's there, but. You know, is it going to get there? And and ultimately, do I trust their guards? Chris Mack made a good point last night in After Dark. He said, like, if I'm looking at the, the backcourt of NC State and Duke, it's not even close right now. Turquavian Smith and uh, – and He can Del hoop. Turquavian Smith crap. can hoop. Kick the crap out of – Roach was terrible. Proctors yep. just hasn't come along at all. And Whitehead made a couple threes and didn't do a whole lot else. So, like – Unless Whitehead. But didn't Whitehead like lead him in scoring or was up there? With he did. Him? He had two threes early, but 
then the game is 20 plus. It's just harsh, it, harsh critic. Leads no, your I team. Just, oh, sec, second scoring at 12. Filipowski yeah, I mean, at 14. He had 12 and he had two threes early. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying like he's not a good player, but a good player isn't going to get it done right now for Duke on the perimeter. They need a great player. So wait, he hit four threes. When were the other two? He hit four threes. Yeah, that's what the box score says. I, I didn't watch it. The second half, I was <laughs> well, I was out no, because it was a twenty. You're out to dinner. <laughs> there are no, other I'm better kidding. games to watch. You're not going to watch NC State Duke when it's a. Riot. You got to get you got to get your eight TV setup going on down there. But you're on vacation, Jesus. I, I don't have it set up. I've got one big screen. Even Derek White had only two threes for his credit. He got four, four of seven. The first half. Then they were down a hundred, and then I turned it off. <laughs> okay, but That's but fair. I'm. Yeah, I, I just don't trust Duke's going to get there. And and Lively gives him nothing offensively and really doesn't yeah. give him, like, what I thought he would defensively. I mean, Ryan Young has been their best center, right? Which is crazy. Crazy to me. If I told you that last year. Think uh, about, you know, I, not to hype Northwestern into oblivion for their win last night, but but Chris Collins did lose, lose Ryan Young, who's, like, their best center at Duke, and Pete yeah. Nance, who's starting for Carolina, and yeah. has his team 11-3. and three. No doubt. No, no, he's other than the pit loss. Other than the pit loss, which now is looking much better um, with the way Pitts played. The surprising thing was they lost by thirty-five points. Right, but Auburn doesn't hurt you. Um, They've they've got some good wins too. I mean, Michigan State, Illinois. All right, give me if I said to you right now, who is the most underrated team in in the country? Who's a team that right now? People are kind of down on that. You're just you're not ready to give up on. You you still think oh, they've so got a chance. You've changed this. You said underrated team like flying under the radar, but now you're going a team that I'm not ready to give up on. <laughs> you can call it whatever you want to call it. How's All right, I'm going to go underrated team because that's what I thought about. Go. Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, they should be undefeated in the Big Ten. Amori is an absolute beast. Yep. In the paint, playing at all Big Ten level. You know, I love McConnell, defensive player of the year in the league last year in the Big Ten. Mulcahy had been hurt, missed four games, made just massive plays at Purdue. And Cam Spencer gives them something that they've never had. A guy that's an elite spot-up three-point shooter to give their guards and, and Cliff Amore room to operate down in the low post area. I, I They guard the hell out of you. They're physical. The only thing that, that scares me about Rutgers is that Road whistles could – I mean, they they fought foul trouble at Purdue all night long. It seemed like Purdue had their whole team in foul trouble, and that's what Zach Eady will do to you. But they they certainly are physical. They bring the fight to you on defense. I I, I really like watching them play. I think Pykel's a great coach, and I think that really we should be looking at this team as 11-3, and 3-0 and because they they should have won the game at Ohio State, um, who's also playing really well and maybe flying under the radar. I'm going to go Creighton only because, wow. well, they lost six in a row and everybody gave up on them. Yes. Everybody gave up on them, but Ryan called. They've, they've won three straight. They have. They're, and, and they're not three. I mean, Butler, DePaul, Seton Hall. Like, I mean, that that's the bottom of the Big East. But they've I mean, handled every one of those games. You know, they, they haven't been close. So, Kalkbrenner was obviously, he missed, I think, three games <clears> in that six-game stretch. But he was not himself. Uh, for, for I believe, the Nebraska home game. That was the one that he was not – you know, listen, they lost to Texas, no shame, losing to Texas. They lost the neutral site game against Arizona at the start of that six-game stretch, no shame. 
Those are two losses that honestly you don't even look at. But then Nebraska, BYU, Arizona State, and and at Marquette, well, Kalkbrenner didn't play him three, and and he he wasn't himself in one of them. So I I still think Creighton has the pieces. They've well, what an opportunity for them Saturday! What an opportunity to go to to UConn and and get a win. How about Danny that. Early right now? How tight he'll be in that one? I mean, he may be on, yeah, he he may be on his craziest behavior. Uh, in, in that one and uh, yeah no doubt all right let, let's go from Creighton to another Big East team and program and I want to know your take because I've said mine publicly that I think Patrick Ewing for the betterment of the program that he helped build <clears throat> needs to step aside right now yeah well maybe not step aside right in, now. in season say he's stepping aside at the end of the year that's what I would do now. I would say, listen, I'm going to finish out coaching the team if the players want that. If the players vote that they want me to finish the year, I'm going to finish out the year because I – well, I don't want to screw up. The the One thing you don't want to do, but as we've seen with kids, they're going through enough right now. If they want Patrick Ewing to finish out the season, then he should finish out the season. But yeah. I think for the betterment of the program, if he gets it out there publicly that, hey, listen – I'm going to step aside. We're going to make a change. I'm not. I'm going to take the pressure off all the administrators that are scared to do it. And then they can start looking forward. Lee Reed, their AD, hopefully you give him the power to make a damn hire because um, right now he doesn't have the power. But let, let, let them start the process now and get going and see if, hey, behind the scenes, Ed Cooley, would you have any interest? And my guess is none or minimal, but he wouldn't do it. But at least you can start crossing names off the list, get ahead of it, so that maybe at the end of the season you can you can make a quick hire. Yeah, I, I guess I don't see any reason why you would fire him in season. Like I, right. I don't think that that's a good thing, unless there's something going on that's you know, know. an abusive yeah. type thing to the players, which I I don't think that's the exactly. case. They just aren't good, you know. Like, um, so I don't I don't love the in season thing. And I think that it's a slippery slope if you just give the players, not that this would mean that other schools would do it, but if you're like, hey, <clears throat> vote your coach off the island <laughs> type stuff, like that's probably not the play. But we um, know this one's a little different. How? Why would you give them the opportunity, the players, to vote their coach out of his position? Well, you're saying to him, you're saying to them, he is going to be done at the end of the year. Yeah, but everybody knows that, don't they? I mean, he's lost to American, Loyola Marymount, Syracuse by 20, and has not won a Big East game yet. I, I think we no, know he hasn't that. hasn't won a Big East game in, in 25. The, it's a record now. 25 straight regular season Big East losses. That breaks the right. Paul's record. Yeah, no. I, I'm just I saying think this that, I think firing him at the end of the season is totally fine. And and doing it the way that it normally works out is, is fine. Do you think that firing him – in January really get you a leg up on hiring come April? I do. I think it can. I do. Mm -hmm. I, I think because otherwise what happens is if you don't fire him, like last year, Mississippi State was a good example, I guess. Their AD was making calls all over the, over the place. Everybody knew within the media, whatever, that John Cohen was going to make a move on Ben Howland. Um, but he so finished the year. could do it that way. It's just going to get out there. Somebody's going to report – if, right. if if they reach out to uh, to search firms or other candidates, it's going to get out there that, well, th there, 
you know, they're reaching out. The administration is reaching out to uh, other candidates. How does that look? I just think it's it's a better look if you bring Patrick Ewing in and say, hey, listen, here's the deal. We're going to make a move at the end of the year. We want to put it out publicly that we're going to make a move at the end of the year. Do you want to coach for the rest that, of the season? That's a better way to do it. Yes. Do you want to finish this? Um, yeah, I, I just – I think and it's maybe amazing. Go to the play, maybe go to a couple players and and you just say, hey, listen, what do you what <clears throat> take their temperature of what they think of Patrick Ewing first? And yeah. if they're like, hey, we don't want to play for him anymore, then then maybe it is a, a situation where you go to Patrick and like this, it's over. It's over. I think this is fascinating to see star players at their alma maters. I mean, we saw it with Chris Mullen at St. John. Yeah. And then you <clears throat> you you juxtapose that. <clears throat> I need some water. Uh, with, with Matt Painter yeah. at Purdue or, you know, I guess Jawan Howard has kind of had mixed results at Michigan, but he has had a team that's gone to the elite eight. Right. Um, it's just when it doesn't work, it's such a nasty thing. Cause Patrick Ewing is, he is Georgetown basketball along with John Thompson, right? Like those two guys are who you think of when you think of Georgetown. Um, and it just, it, it does stink when it doesn't work out because there has to be a split and you just hope that it's one of those things where, it doesn't ruin that relationship because Patrick Ewing is a huge part of Georgetown basketball. There's so many now that that's my issue now is it became cool a couple of years ago when Juwan had some success and then it was like, all right, let's everybody go with it. Right. Like even though Mullen failed, even though now Patrick Ewing hasn't done well at all, Penny Hardaway hasn't been great. Like I, I know all these people like, well, Penny Hardaway's the, he barely made the tournament last year, and I love Penny, so I hate saying this, but he barely made the tournament last year. They're probably on the outside looking in today, and it's Memphis. It's a damn good program. Like, the expectations at Memphis are to get in the tournament every single year. He's yeah. gotten in once out of four years. It could be one out of five if they don't get in this year. You know, Would you say getting... that up until their loss on New Year's Day to Tulane that they were in the field before that? Really beaten it. I mean, their best win was their was best Auburn. win Auburn? Their best win was Auburn, and Auburn's just okay. So I would yeah. say th in a year like this year, that probably was good enough without the loss to Tulane for them to get in the tournament. Well, hopefully they just expand the field to 157 teams so then we can we can see the Memphis Tigers in the tournament. Yeah, we'll see everybody. We'll, we'll, listen, we'll, we'll be seeing Louisville in the tournament. We, we need to talk about that briefly. Yeah. I mean, I know we have. What the hell are they doing? Well, it's not going to get to that point. So so the, the quick synopsis of, of what happened is this transformation committee led by Greg Sankey. Well, he's doing a shit job. If he <laughs> if he's leading it and he thinks this is right, he's well, doing he a shitty job. he wants more money for the big boys. That's all he wants, more bids for the big boys. So, you know, expanding. So we'll ruin and, the tournament. Your, That's good. thought is they're going to do it on all the championships, right? Not just basketball. They want to <laughs> do it in baseball because – what some sec team got hosed last year of not getting in the baseball tournament whatever so it's got to go through number one next week uh it would have to be voted on at the convention by the board of directors i'm not even sure they're going to vote on it but they're going to talk about it next week if somehow they vote on it then it could get to the men's basketball committee where obviously dan gavitt will be involved all these guys on the committee barry collier greg byrne really smart dudes I don't think they'd be dumb enough to screw up the NCAA tournament at all. Um, I, I can't imagine. So I, I mean, I don't do you think, think anybody? Do you think anybody in the world that watches the NCAA tournament was like, man, we really missed out on having Xavier 
at 23 and 13 in the NCAA tournament or pick, pick your team, Mississippi state at 18 and 16. We really, we really missed out on, on that. The tournament would have been so much better had they been there. No. Right. Wake Forest. Right. Nobody cared. I mean, again, the only way I would do something to spice it up would be go back to, to like, I would have the, the four teams right now, 65 through 68 here's what i would do i would do it differently i would have those be a play-in type event and and pit high majors against mids for those for those final so you, four so you get like four four 13 games yeah i would have like eight teams and play you know play have meets play on on monday or tuesday to get into the regular bracket and and to me the winner, you know, the, the MIAC and the SWAC winners, which always get screwed and get in the playing game, they're automatic. They're in. They're in the the main bracket instead. I well, think it'd be more fun. Oh, I, I, I got more you. Fun yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I thought I was going to say they are in, but they're in the play-in 16 game. Correct. I would put yeah. them in the main 64, and those final four spots are so the 16s. The 16s would never play in the play-in. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's that'd be fine. I mean, you know, we do I have a plan, but it's intrigue. just you're just taking a different seed game, basically. Yeah, I'm just saying, like those, and maybe you could add more. But how do you how do you add... seed it after the fact? You know, if you've got a four thirteen playing their way in, and then you know what I mean, then you've well, got. What a... if you did this? What if you did instead of eight teams vying for the final four spots, you started with sixteen teams, if you want. And you have I mean, it would be sweet if you Monday. take all the bubble teams and they play for their NCAA tournament life into yeah. the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That would be fine. It'd be fun. But the field yeah. should be 68 even or 64 or whatever. Well, it goes know. down to 64, just like it is now. You have right. 16 teams and you have two days of it. So your first day, See, you have eight teams. That would be fine. That your would be second fine. Day, your second day, you have uh, eight teams and four games. And then the winner of Monday and Tuesday – Whoever's left standing, the four teams, go on to the main bracket. And I know you're going to yeah, be tired, maybe. but who gives a shit? You're you in. Played your way in. You're yeah. in. And you'd have. No, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I mean, that's better than what there's. That's better than what has been proposed. Way better. Way better. That's what they need to do. They need to do that because right now the first four doesn't have enough entry. But this like knockout type deal, just like the playing events for the NBA at the end, like those actually would have some like people would watch. They would watch. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You know. All right. Well, listen. Um, I'm glad we played that game that got y'all. Uh, uh, I'm going to tell Buy Shire it. that you you're selling them. I can't Buy wait. seller holes. You better say that you did too. Then. I, I got no problem. I got no problem telling him. See, I don't need to please everybody. I'm okay. I'm okay with with Shire being upset at me. You, on the other hand, that, are that's not. my that's my Nike All American teammate from <laughs> 2005. <laughs> Can't do we'd that for that man. We'd have to bring him to to tell some dirt on uh, how you never passed the ball. Please, I shot three times on that team with Ty Lawson, John Shire. Yeah, well, he was one of the best players on the team. Yeah, well, they knew he was. You know who shot the most? Curtis Kelly. (laughs) Curtis Kelly, and maybe Deshaun Sims. Those two guys could chuck. I would love to get Curtis on on the the pod one day because the first time I ever met Curtis. He was like 14. He was a stud. He was at, I think, Rice High School in New York. And he was suspended for the game. 
And I, I don't know why I must've gone up to him, was talking to him about the suspension. And I think his response was something about, uh, he was suspended because of uh, a girl or something like that. Um, but Curtis was a riot. Curtis was, you know what? So I played with him at night camp and that was the first time I'd ever met him. And then we played them at the peace jam. Him and Edgar Sosa were on the New York Metro Hawks, who were like a legendary AU program out of New York City. And I remember the Peace Jam, they had those Nike Spark magazines. Remember those that were kind of like, they were sort of like a fitness magazine, but they do stories on high school athletes. And and the story was about Edgar Sosa and Curtis Kelly. And they did this whole spread of a photo shoot. And like, they were a big deal. They they really were. They were big time players and we played him at the peace jam that year and but curtis did not no shot was a bad shot for curtis Kelly, no shot is what i no would say whatsoever <laughs> uh all right well listen i gotta run it's like 70 degrees out so all i gotta right, get my miles i gotta get my my steps in all right i gotta get my steps yeah in. try to watch some games tonight we know you won't you'll be chilling. i will definitely watch some games to, tonight thanks to for joining us uh goodman and humble uh podcast make sure you subscribe make sure you like uh if you have any complaints uh, send him to uh, to Hummel on Twitter. DM me.